Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 240th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that still stands, as should we all, with the movement to end racial injustice, defund police services, and favor more effective options. We also like fair and free elections and world leaders that wear masks when appropriate. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week is Travis Allen, a.k.a. at Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, James. Uh, glad to be here and looking forward to sharing all sorts of valuable information with all of you. Our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Travis, what do we have on the agenda this week, my friend? Well, this week we have a show in four segments. Segment one is our MTGO Metagame Week interview. We've got some Pioneer and Modern to talk about. Segment two is our top paper movers, uh, cards in paper that have moved the most in price this week, followed by our top MTGO movers. Segment three are paper cards to watch. James and I will run through some of the cards that we like on the long term. And segment four, our topic of the week, Commander Legends is in the pipeline, although a couple weeks later than it was supposed to be. So we'll be looking at some of the details for that and trying to come up with a little bit of a plan of attack. As tempting as it is to complain about The Walking Dead again for yet another week, we will spare you all. (laughs) So moving over to segment one, our top MTGO metagame we can review Kick off the Pioneer Showcase Challenge. Uh, Lotus Field combo taking first. Lotus Field is a card that I think we've talked about a handful of times at this point. Not too surprising to see it doing doing duty again in Pioneer. Yeah, and both in both the first and seventh place decks, uh, and in a fairly standard configuration based on on recent events. Uh, second place is the Teamer Reclamation build using three copies of Omnath. This is a lot of the same nonsense that's going on in Standard being ported into Pioneer. And in fact, we see it, um, some elements of it making its way all the way into Modern. So a very powerful card indeed. We've also got Teamer Reclamation. We've got two Black-White Auras decks, another Niv-Mizzet. Um, a black white mono black aggro and uh, mono white humans in eighth place with three general Kudro, who was the uh, guy from Ikoria. Yes, Ikoria. is that 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 symbol? Oh my god, Ikoria mythic. I have to stop. Like, wait, that is Ikoria, isn't it? Uh, yeah, who gives? Who's a lord for your humans and? Um, when he or another human enters the battlefield, exile a card from an opponent's graveyard. And then you can sack two humans to destroy creatures. So a fair bit of utility there in that card. The important part here is that this is now a multi-format staple because it's already uh, shows some presence in Commander, but it was doing uh, work as a two or three of in Modern Humans. Now its role in Modern Humans is a little bit up for debate because they have access to uh, Skyclave Apparition. 
um, which I've seen some pros talking about uh, putting into the Kudrow slot. But Kudrow is now sliding over into Pioneer because they figured out that there is a, a human's deck to be had in this format. So you're using Boros Elite, Dauntless Bodyguard, three General Kudrow, two Giant Killer out of Eldraine, two Kithion, three Luminarch Aspirant, which is a new rare out of Zendikar Rising, where uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, you put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control, so it continuously grows your team. Uh, Soldier of the Pantheon, Forthalia's Lieutenant, uh, a former standard uh, stalwart. Fourth Raven Inspector, likewise. Uh, four Venerated Loxodon, also true. Uh, four Brave the Elements, a Dire Tactics, and two Legions Landing. So it's 34 creatures in this deck. And uh, about as mono-white weenie as you could possibly imagine, other that's, than the Kudro. That's, uh, that's a lot of humans. Also notable that their dual land of choice here uh, is, well, there's four of them, uh, but it includes four bright climb pathways on top of the Caves of Koilos, Concealed Courtyard, and Godless Shrine. And I would imagine if you get another set of dual lands in this format, Caves of Koilos will be the one to drop out, not bright climb pathway. Um, boy. Well, you know, I will tell you this. I was, I'm going to say suspect of the uh the dual lands the the rare dual flip lands basically um i would say the bright climb pathway which uh, yeah that's that card uh zvi Moshowitz, whose opinion i respect quite a bit when it comes to this type of stuff said they are and i believe i'm quoting here the best dual lands since alpha which is a pretty significant comment to make, I think. Uh, so Zv is a real smart guy, like another level smart, and he could be exaggerating and wrong, but even if he's only half wrong, that still makes he's really good. So I'm I'm willing to listen to people who know more than I do. So far. They seem to be making the biggest impact here on Pioneer. The black-white one, Bright Climb Pathway, is also a four of in the black-white Auras deck that finished third and fifth in this tournament. Um, the build there is the same as we've been seeing all year, more or less, but with the, the pathways smoothing out the mana a little further, lets them only run two basic planes and no basic swamps. And uh, so Pathway Foils, if Pioneer was to ever actually get played in paper again in North America, I think will be very well positioned because they would have multiple decks in the format that need them as a four of, and the Foil Showcase versions are very, very nice. And uh, as I've mentioned before, Flip Foils do not curl. They have none of the usual problems that Foils would have in competitive environments because they are foiled on both sides, so it keeps them in uh, balance. The... So definitely we're keeping an eye on. We're not seeing them show up in Modern because the they, despite the fact that we have a whole bunch of different builds in Modern that run 25 plus lands right now, you have Primeval Titan builds with Amulet, you have Omnath builds, you have Yorion 80 card decks, um, still haven't seen any Pathways show up. Um, but over in Pioneer, I have seen the green-red one also doing work in the green-red mid-range build. Maybe these end up major, becoming a major factor in uh, in both formats. It's it's kind of weird to think about, but I suppose it's possible. 
I, I don't see how they're going to break through in modern. I do think that Pioneer or whatever might replace Pioneer when we come out the other side of COVID, however long that takes, uh, plus Commander will probably keep them in, in modest demand, and then we'll have to see I'm to get to from there. I'm still not sold on them being good in Commander, but uh, we will see. Uh, I was taking I looked at the updated... Uh, Zendikar Rising figures on EDH Rec and Clearwater Pathway has climbed into the top 10. It's in 20% of all blue-black decks that have registered since it was announced and followed by Branch Loft, which is the white-green one pretty closely behind. Bright Climb is the white-black one, also at about a a similar level. Uh, They're all in the 15 to 20% of possible decks using them so far. Um, so th- those are reasonable stats that leads, gives me, gives us every reason to believe that these are, you know, whether or not it's the correct choice, I, I think you're still going to see them played. And, that, and the thing about commander is that you don't need to, people don't harmonize on a best list in the same way that you do in constructed. Like if you're going to run four color Omnath in standard, you're going to check the most recent winning lists and and adjust your mana base accordingly. But that doesn't really happen in Commander. There are certainly people that go and check on EDH Rec and see, you know, which lands are played the most, you know, but that's a, probably the vast minority of Commander players. And so it's really a more a function of does the card present well? Does it seem like it will be good? You can still make arguments about whether it's actually ideal in your deck and whether you should be running some other duel instead. But I'm not sure that that's necessarily going to impact whether they see play. We've, yeah, we've talked about this before in a couple different varieties. I've talked, you know, I've mentioned that I think, um, Martin Stromgold is very good and it's surprising at how little play he sees and he should see more play, but he doesn't, but just cause I want him to, it doesn't mean that he will in the same way that people can overvalue cards and they'll play cards that look good that aren't actually good. And it doesn't matter if I know they're not good and EDH experts know they're not good. If they still show up on the EDH rec page at 80% and people think they're good, then they're going to get played and they're going to be worth money. And okay, you have a bad card that's worth money. So I don't doubt that that's the case. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I don't know. Well, well, time, time will tell. So I understand the point you're making that it kind of just because I don't think they're good doesn't mean that they're not. Doesn't matter if I think they're good or not. Basically, yeah, I, I just think the same. The deck building mechanics are not necessarily present. Like I was, I built two commander decks last night. Rebuilt a Loro and uh, was working on what was the other one? Uh, hmm, Get Rog Monster or something. I think I pulled that out and got it most of the way through. The at no point did I reference what needed to be played. I, and, and honestly, I think that's one of the best, the biggest things going for Commander is that you don't need to. You can you can just browse through your cards and start pull, pulling out synergy pieces and go from there. Well, um, that's how you. Sh- that was obviously how EDH used to get built, and is I think a lot of people would tell you the better way to play the format it's more interesting to just go through your binder and find cards that look cool but you know i also understand the dynamics of doing that today are different than they used to be um definitely the more fun way to do it 
So we also had five color Niv-Mizzet, a perennial top eight deck in this format in fourth, uh, and then mono black aggro, which is also constantly top eighting in sixth. And, and then, yeah, that mono white humans build was probably the most interesting. Yeah. Um, over in the modern showcase challenge, which was on the August, uh, October 3rd. So that was Saturday. Um, Rakdos shadow taking first. And I think that's that second week in a row. What was it last week? It was, yeah, Rakdos Shadow won the Modern Challenge September 28th as well. So this deck is looking very, very serious. Four Bowmat Courier, four Death Shadow, four Monastery Swift Spear, four Scourge of the Skyclaves, an Agadim's Awakening, four Thoughtseize, an Unearth, one Cling to Dust main, two Dismember, two Fatal Push, four Lightning Bolt, three Mutagenic Growth, and two Teamer Battle Rage, four Mishra's Bobble, and two Seal of Fire. With a Luris of the Dream Den as the companion in the mm. sideboard. I I did catch that people were talking about that today. The one guy, it was a guy's tweet, is like, you're not still playing Death Shadow in your Death Shadow build, are you? Uh, yeah, there was, seems, seems to be some debate as to whether Death Shadow is even going to hold this slot. Um, I saw I saw people arguing that it could be Tarmogoyf in that slot, that it could just be another prowess creature from the mono red aggro builds. Um, very curious to see where this lands. I did think it was, I did see that tweet and immediately think that's going to be on James's pick this week. I kid you not. I saw that tweet. And I'm like, ah, James is going to pick Scourge of the Skyclave. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, second place in the modern challenge was the green white, uh, creature combo deck that is primeval Titan and a whole bunch of other stuff. But no amulets. This is 21 creatures, 4 Eladomri's Call, and 4 Path to Exile with 31 lands. Uh, all the rest of the stuff, as we covered a couple weeks back, is Arboreal Grazer, our Archon of Emeria, Dryad of the Elysian Grove, Elvish Reclaimers, Knight of Autumn, 4 Primeval Titan, of course, a Ramanap Excavator, a Sakura Tribe Elder, 2 Skyclave Apparition, and 1 Tireless Tracker. So the Archon and the Skyclave... New cards at Zendikar Rising are giving it a little bit more of a death and taxes sub theme, and the rest of this is just lands matters creatures. Yeah, this is a, a fun take on the strategy, and I guess probably a little more mid rangey since it's, since it's not relying on uh, amulet the same way that it used to. But it definitely seems uh, pretty potent. I mean, we've seen it before. Um, and not, you know, it is pretty traditional in Magic to start out with the sort of glass cannony build uh, and then slowly migrate towards a more robust sort of mid-rangey version of it that can withstand the people coming for it. Uh, and that might be the direction this is going. The interesting part here is there's no, not just no amulets, there's no uh, Azusa. It yeah. just got reprinted in Core 20. So if we were playing you know, Titan decks and paper right now, it's unclear whether Azusa would even have a home. Uh, yeah, I do. That is a, a, a fair question. Um, and maybe she is not part of this strategy for a little while. Uh, I have to imagine that that wouldn't write her out entirely. Um, like permanently, I should say, even if the current version doesn't need her, I wouldn't be surprised if a future iteration with new cards does bring her back into the fold. Um, Cause she's a very powerful card, but it is cool to see how it has evolved, at least in the short term. This four-color control deck in third place in the Modern Challenge is just a slap in the face to any, 
for anybody who is into either cards that are not bannable, because a lot of this is, or cards that are cheap, because almost none of this is. <laughs> Seven Planeswalkers, including a Jace the Mind Sculptor, a Teferi Hero of Dominaria, two Teferi Time Raveler, and three Renin Six. So most of the most hated Planeswalkers of all time. If you could throw Oko in there, you'd really be flying. Hmm. Two Omnath Locus of Creation and three Uro. Nobody's enamored with either of those either. Uh, an Hour of Promer, Promise, a Seagate Restoration, and a Supreme Verdict in the Sorcery slot. And then a bunch of counter spells and ramp cards in the Instant slots, plus 28 lands. Okay. It's uh, a hefty on the Planeswalkers, for sure. And this like four color good stuff thing uh, looks set up to just sit around in modern for a while. Uh, Rakdos yeah. Shadow was also in fourth and fifth. Very similar builds, uh, I guess. The fourth place one was running Bowmat Courier in the... Oh yeah, I guess they were both running Bowmat Courier. So that's like their ability to reload. Um, but the fifth place build was running two Croxa Titan of Death's Hunger um, and slightly lower instant count, I believe. Hmm. And then pretty much everything else looks the same. So, yeah, this deck's doing some serious work right now. Uh, sixth was the Prowess Burn deck. Uh, the thing that jumped out at me there was that they were running four Bone Crusher Giant slash Stomp in the main. And this is a modern, not standard or pioneer. And four Blister Coil Weird. Hmm. That's a card I've seen people try to run in weird aggro decks in modern many times, but not lately. Blister Coil Weird. Yeah, that's uh, that's sort of been a bit of a fan favorite where they wanted it to work, but just never quite. It's like showed up once or twice. It's definitely a Jerry T special. I mean, a lot of this deck is interesting, right? This is four Blister Coil Weird, four Bone Crusher. That raised an eyebrow. Four Monastery Swift Spear and four Soul Scar Mage. That's been standard in the Red Prowess builds lately. Four Seasoned Pyromancer was something I would expect more in the mid-rangey builds. This, this is, provides, I guess, a little bit more of a go-wide strategy for the decks that have zeroed in on this deck being weak to removal. Yeah, I mean, it gives you... Not only does it give you a couple extra bodies to spread out, it also lets you filter through spare lands. And in a deck that's playing prowess, you really want to keep your action stream up. Yeah, given that they only run 19 lands. Yeah. Um, and I guess they also get some value out of dumping firebolts to the graveyard. I can, I have to imagine that the only reason that those are firebolts and not something else is their ability to be flashback for free from the yard. I mean... To, to represent a free card in hand, not that it doesn't cast five mana to cast it from the yard. Mm -hmm. In a deck where that requires you to get through 25% of your deck to find that many lands. It's it's not... Uh, 19 is very few lands. And four flame slashes feels like specifically aimed at Omnath, yeah? Uh, probably. I guess if you're... Ideally, you would be doing four instant speed but I don't think that there is a reasonable way to do four instant speed. Well, and you'd like to be able to hit players, whereas this can only hit creatures. Yeah, yeah. So so I, w I would agree that Flame Slash is probably a, medical. a nod to Omnath, yeah. Yeah. Um, four Lava Dart, four Lightning Bolt, a Spike Field Hazard, more more flip lands showing up all over the place. Uh, and the, the interesting thing here is that they get to run a companion too. They've got Obosh in the sideboard. Hmm. 
that's one of the lesser used one. That's the uh, the five mana three five. Uh, it can only have odd mana costs. Yeah, but you get an, double yeah, damage. Yeah, if an odd mana cost card deals damage, you get to double it. That's part of why uh, I assume Bone Crusher got to get into the mix. I'm assuming when you cast Stomp, maybe it's still using the Bone Crusher mana. I'm not sure the ruling on that. Well, it's, it contains cards with odd converted mana cost, and Bone Crusher Giant is three. So Stomp isn't a card in your deck. No, 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 but if a source you control with an odd converted mana cost would deal damage to a permanent, you double it. That's Obosh's ability. Oh, yes. Uh, I don't know if Stomp would double or not. I, I'm assuming there's something cute going on there. But, but you can still... I don't think that they would play... I don't think they care. I think they're probably playing Bone Crusher Giant and not caring if that gets doubled because that's corner case-ish. Well, it's, I mean, it's going to come up a lot, but... it. it it, t- more to your point, Bone Crusher still does eight with an Obosh on the table when it's attacking. Yes, I, I mean, I I have to wonder the number of games that you actually have an Obosh resolved. Then oh. you're getting double damage triggers, and you haven't already won the game. Even if Stomp doesn't get doubled, I, I'm pretty sure the other ability on Bone Crusher Giant does. Whenever Bone, Gi- Bone Crusher Giant becomes the target of a spell, it deals two damage to that spell's controller. Yeah, that would work, yes, because he when he's the permanent play, he's odd. Yeah, he's definitely odd. So <laughs> there's some, there's definitely some cuteness going on there. I'm just not sure of the all the rules implications. I used to I used to be able to answer this reliably, but it's been, it's been long enough that I'm not confident anymore. Seventh place deck looks a lot like the third place deck, uh, but less planeswalkers. They're just running three Renin six and then four Uro, and then a ton more instants, twenty three total. Uh, and 27 lands there's like a lot of lands getting played in decks in this format in the mid-range and they all tend to be running triomes uh i have heard lands are good and i have heard triomes are good and we both saw was it manguchi's tweet talking about how much he likes the triomes this week yeah i I made sure to echo that immediately so that we got uh pro player support for what's been one of our most discussed specs of the year yeah i don't I own some, but I'm pretty sure whatever the number is, it's not enough. And I've been really trying, I've been trying to pick up more, but a lot of the places that I have store credit just really haven't had any in stock or they have them at like $10 over, you know, TCG. And it's like, eh. as to Ellie's demand that we always disclose how much we have this one, I'm pretty deep. I think I've got two or 300 copies between English and Japanese showcase. Mostly acquired five or $6. uh, Of just the non-foil showcase ones. Correct. Yeah, either English or Japanese. I, I I think I've got like grand total of eight, and they'd all be foils, and I don't even know if it's that high. Oh, it's gonna be such a good buy list down the road. Yeah, I uh, yeah the non the foreign ones are gonna be harder to buy list, but I agree those English ones could be pretty nice. Foreign ones I will just sell as a set. Like yeah. I'll just post a set a, a EDH set. Um, something I want to start experimenting <laughs> is... with when when I finally catch up to. And in fact, one of my strategies for catching up on inventory will be to start selling a lot of cards uh, in a theme together at once, as opposed to posting them in individual <laughs> listings. Buy four of these. They're not a play set for constructed. They're an EDH set for your four EDH decks that need them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here, here's here's one of each plus five cards that Omnath needs in, in Commander. Oh, yeah. Omnath, yeah. Starter pack. Yeah. 
I, I think starter packs make a lot of sense and probably would be... Uh, I, I haven't seen people leverage that strategy much, but if I was to, say, build out e-commerce on MTG Price tomorrow and just snap my fingers and make something happen, I would have all sorts of themed uh, playset stuff. Uh, yeah, if I was one of these vendors who was stuck at home and couldn't really be traveling and had all the spare inventory, uh, I would be maybe spending some extra time looking into that as a potential strategy, you know, take, you know, sell it 15% below the individual price of all five of your cards or whatever, but you get to sell all five at once. Mm-hmm. Oof, that's going to be good. Yep. All right. So eighth place in the modern challenge. This is probably the most interesting deck out of both events. Uh, death and taxes is back on the menu. And I'm not sure how much of it is death anymore, but it is certainly a white uh, weenie deck with a D&T sub theme. Two Archon of Emeria, so new from Zendikar Rising. This is the 2-3 flyer for three that says each player can't cast more than one spell each turn and non-basic lands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. That's actually a deceptively useful set of abilities. Four Flicker Wisp, four Giver of Runes, Four Leonin Arbiter. Four Skyclave Apparition. Uh, I believe this was my pick last week. Is that true? Uh, yeah. Skyclave Apparition. Foil EAs I called 11 to 22. Very confident in that one. Uh, four Stoneforge Mystic. Uh, I have foil box toppers of this on my desk. They're gorgeous. They are going to spike down the road. Uh, fourth Alley Garden of Thraben. Uh, the art from that secret layer is pretty nice. And then four Path to Exile, four Ether Vial, a Batter Skull, a Maul of the Skyclaves, believe it or not, out of Zendikar Rising. This is two and a white for an equipment that says, when it enters the battlefield, attach it for free to a creature you control. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, has flying and first strike. This is to make sure nobody can block whatever you're trying to get through. And equip cost is four beyond that. So interesting what they did with those equipment in Zendikar Rising where they... The first equip is free, but the further equips are more expensive. That's, uh, I think, a, an interesting tweak. Yeah, a good a good change uh, on the equipment, most likely. Um, I I thought the I saw someone comment that Maul the Skyclaves is just uh, spectral flight. <laughs> like, don't fool, <laughs> you can't fool me. This is just spectral flight. <laughs> uh, I guess the difference being that with an enchantment that you would put on your creature, you're going to get two for one. This thing you're going to get to reuse. Um, and then there's a sort of fire and ice to brown things out. So, yeah, I mean, white, white weenie and taxes back on the menu for modern, I guess. Mm-hmm. Cool. cool uh, it, 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 it's a real shame that this didn't pop up in final rounds of a Star City Games tournament and spike Giver of Runes. <laughs> yeah, kind of miss kind of missing those uh jumps <laughs> those, these those days week, those weekend constructed spikes that used to be so reliable yeah mm-hmm. all right and then i guess i just want to call out this ninth place deck uh in the challenge because they're running is it another prime primeval titan deck but this one's running the amulets of vigor after all four summoners pack and four turn timber symbiosis my other pick from last week yeah yeah i remember that Hmm. They just just barely missed top eight with that build. Hmm. So. Well, that's pretty cool. It'll be interesting to see if that really uh, really makes it. All right, so moving right along here, uh, we can move to our 
uh, top paper movers of the week. It was quite a busy week, and we managed to distill it down to, I think, some of the more interesting movements. First on the list, we've got Bruvac the Grandiloquent out of Jumpstart. Non-foils going from 50 or so to about 75 for roughly a 50% gain. This one's worth flagging because there is definitely more Jumpstart incoming. Uh, we're working on a Pro Trader buy for Jumpstart cases at uh, just under 600 That's 100 bucks a box. Currently, boxes are out there in the 140 to 160 range online. Definitely don't pay that. Definitely don't buy $75 Bruvacs. I have every reason to believe that Jumpstart will fill in some gaps. Keep in mind, this is not supposed to be a limited edition set. Jumpstart's supposed to be available all year. So Wizards, there is this counter factor where that factory in Dallas that makes all the secondary uh, product lines is having trouble. That's why the Zendikar Rising collector boosters are delayed. That's why uh, Commander Legends products are delayed. Jumpstart could see further delays, but... I don't like buying in on Jumpstart now. I want to wait at minimum to see what happens. And if we can get in on the sub $600 cases, cool, that's fine. People will flip them for 120 130 or whatever and, and be up a minor amount of money in a short period of time. But I, I wouldn't be buying $160 boxes and trying to sit on them for the win. Yeah, that doesn't seem like your best bet. Uh, any, I don't, I'm reluctant to get too deep into any sealed product that has sort of an odd, I'm going to say odd distribution pattern, um, this one owing to COVID, and also because it's supposed to be unlimited, so who knows what's going to happen down the road. Yeah. Because Wizards is not going to suffer these delays for much longer, right? As soon as they started seeing the first set of problems with that early in the summer, I guarantee you they started trying to make other plans. <laughs> they're, they're trying to produce them in some country that is not as affected. And uh, they, they will get that program up and running, whether it's well, long-term or long-term. Do they have... I, they're pretty picky about who prints their cards. Do they have... Um... Well, I mean, there's still Card of Monday in Europe. I, I suspect that the whole thing in Dallas was that they had a sweetheart deal there where they could print short-run stuff um, that didn't have the same print run as their mainline sets. And they could get it on and off the presses with some degree of flexibility so that they could do multiple runs over time, you know, demand-permitting. But there's got to be other places they can do it. I, I seem to recall there being a very limited number of places worldwide that were capable of doing the type of printing that they needed. But, I mean, maybe that's changed, right? That's possible, but it seems to be something I recall hearing I, about. I mean, I think that's true, but they, they, I mean, this factory in Dallas is not the only game in town. They, they might be able to, the truth of the matter might be that they have to go up two to six percent in costs or something to do it somewhere else but i mean the reason they don't print in card of monday is almost certainly to do with the exchange rate between the euro and the u.s dollar and the fact that you don't if most of your product is sold in north america you would prefer to produce it in north america and ship it out to other regions as opposed to the reverse right just due to distribution costs and the logistics involved but they they, they can't just be late <laughs> forever with their products that's killing their hype cycle and their ability to follow through on sales patterns it's not ideal that's for sure but they've managed to get everything out the door at least in some capacity which helps They're sure but totally we have secret layers late we have zendikar rise and collector boosters late we have commander legends the whole thing pushed back two weeks those, those are not the kinds of things you want to allow to happen forever no of course not they're 
I, I don't doubt they're trying to get on top of it. That's goes without saying, but next on the uh, list we've got Omnath, Locus of the Royal out of M twenty, non foils going from twelve to eighteen, almost certainly on the back of Omnath EDH. Uh Jason whipped this out while we were playing Commander on Friday night and beat us all upside the head again with it. So I've seen the power of this deck. It definitely has staying power. I can see Omnath being a top five or ten commander of the year, even though we're getting seventy more of them next month in Commander Legends. And, you know, Omnath is also a multi-format staple with legs in Standard, Pioneer, Modern. Would not be crazy surprised to see a, a one or two copies show up in Legacy at some point. It is a uh, it is a pretty popular commander, unsurprisingly. Um, but I agree that it will lose a little steam with Commander Legends, most likely. I think we've never really had that many commanders dropped all at once. And you have to assume they're going to take the top spots for quite some time. There's just going to be so much there to tinker with. All right, what's next on the list? Uh, following that, we have Balefire Dragon, the foils out of Ultimate Masters. Is this supposed to be the pack foil or the promo foil? Or like the extended art? The mm, box topper. Pack foil, I believe. Pack foil, that sounds about right. Um, that looks like it's going from 25 to 38, so about a 60% jump. But uh, UMA would have been the last time we saw Balefire Dragon, and we were just talking. We were talking a week or two ago, and UMA was like three years ago now, two years, two and a half years. So it's been say, a while. I want to say two years. Yeah, and it's a pretty Balefire Dragon is pretty popular. Um, one of the better dragons in EDH if you manage to connect. It does a lot of work for you. Uh, so some good movement there. Um, the box hoppers might be worth considering if this is really seeing some action. I mean, I was all about UMA this week. I was spending some time looking into it. The box hoppers are 50 bucks right now. Let's see, that's the market price. Yeah, there's eight box hoppers, and it's the cheapest copy is 61 bucks, but it's 61, 62, 75, 85, and then they're gone. So the UMA box okay. hoppers are in real short supply on this. Well, and the pack foils are even shorter. There's three near mint copies listed on TCG Player: two at thirty and one at forty. This will eventually catch a reprint. It will get cheap. You want to sell into the dearth of supply and never look back. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you here. The the Belfair Dragon looks tempting right now, but I would have the concern that it was just going to end up reprinted, um, if not Commander Legends, and sometime next year. And you probably, you know, if you picked up one copy. You might be. You could probably get rid of it in time, but I wouldn't want to have four or five. Tybalt, the fiend-blooded white border version, we flagged as jumping up on the back of the release of the the very late release of the April Fools set. Currently, it supposedly went from one hundred and twenty-four to over two hundred dollars. However, there are three copies now listed under a hundred on TCG Player, so arguably speaking, it actually went down. And copies may filter their way in. I would not be chasing this in the slightest. If I was holding it, I would be looking to sell it because ride the meme while you can. Yeah, I mean, these meme cards have more staying power than I think either of us would care to admit. But at the same time, I agree with you that I don't want to play that game. Yep. Uh, Escape to the Wilds extended art foils are showing up uh, as far back as Pioneer. Uh, <laughs> two formats. <laughs> uh, I'm just actually just trying to think if the Omnath brew was running it in either of those four color 
control list doesn't look like it but it is showing up consistently in pioneer and the foil extended arts uh, have been drying up as a result it looks like over on tcg we have a single copy listed at 17 dollars. i am certain i pulled some of these out of my english and japanese throne of eldraine collector booster packs and that these were absolute trash at the time i think they were posted at two bucks for the foil extended arts on tcg player there was no home for this card at all. Nobody had any respect for it. And now it's completely sold out a year later. And it's a lot yeah. harder to restock these because the drop rate for them in in the Throne of Eldraine collector boosters is relatively low compared to some of the other formulations. And there's a lot of banned cards in that set. So not necessarily uh, as tempting to chase. Although we did see that Ur- uh, uh, not Uro, Oko was taking off again in Borderless uh, just recently. So gonna have to dig dig out my foil extended arts of this and try to flip them maybe at 15 or 20 and see how it goes i have a feeling you will probably be successful uh next on this list this card this was a card that showed up in jason's omnath build this weekend trade roots yeah. edition lets you bounce lands back to your hand and then play them again and of course omnath wants to get multiple land triggers per turn so once you've got an exploration or a zuzer or something in play this lets you really go to work me and uh, me and Bright BDM are Trade Roots fans. I spent on and off probably two years trying to brew this card in Modern with uh, Dakmore Salvage was the plan at the time because uh, you would combine you would you would do the I don't remember exactly what it was but you would pick up a land you would pick up Dakmore Salvage and then discard it to draw a card but then you would dredge it back or something I don't know it was a fun little strategy that went absolutely nowhere and was the absolute definition of too cute uh <laughs> but i've got a couple of these floating around so i'm excited to see this yeah this is, this is a card that hasn't seen a, a reprint in ages yeah it was uh it was like pr- prophecy or something a nemesis in eighth edition and i think maybe ninth but like there were not that was roughly the last time we saw it and the, the average magic player today could not even tell you the years that mercadian masks ninth edition or eighth edition came out no, I mean, I should. I can't tell you the years they came out. I just know it was a while ago. I think Mirrodin like was two thousand three. It's twenty years ago. It's a long time. God, don't say that. It's upsetting. Sundering Titan, uh, masterpiece edition, uh, invention, foils in theory going from seventy to one fifty. I mean, it might as well flag that inventions are drying up. Um, I've mentioned it a couple times this summer already, but we're definitely seeing it come to fruition. The fact of the matter remains that, we're, as we've talked about on cast, we're going to get more inventions. That could happen any time in the next 18 months. I fully expect it to happen, and I fully expect some of them to be reprints. Crypt, Silver Ring, whatever. <clears throat> but as you mentioned last time we flagged this, they're probably going to go with they have a lot more options with the inventions. There's so many artifacts they could throw into a list. And even if there's 30 or 40 of them, and even if they are box toppers like they did with Zendikar uh, Rising, a lot of these are going to catch a miss. And it's not clear to me that Sundering Titan would be on their list because it's not really that much of a played card in Commander anymore. No, I think that some a lot of these are probably dodgeable, and that would be... Sundering Titan, I think, is one of them. Definitely not one of the higher value ones to go after. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I actually stumbled upon this just a couple of days ago. 
kind of independently because I was poking around at something else and happened to look at some inventions and started browsing. And I was like, oh, these are a lot of the lower value ones are starting to move. Not the totally undesirable ones like Black Vice, but you know, the, the Sundering Titans and things of that nature are having a bit of a run on them. So I, I don't know exactly what's going on there. I suspect somebody may be just trying to pick up a couple copies here and there and it's putting some pressure on the market, but well, I think it's a, it's a combination of the the vendors in the market looking, realizing that premium is the game right now, and knowing that buy lists are challenged, looking around and seeing what can we get. We can get some extended arts from last year. We can get some reserve list stuff. Hey, these inventions are relatively low supply, so I'll snap off a few extra. And there was already this undercurrent of inventions just being bought by players and collectors. And all it takes is a little bit of MTG Finance attention once you get down to the last nine or ten listings to really hit the tipping point. Also worth mentioning that this card is banned in Commander. So you're not going to see it in Commander Legends. It's very unlikely, even more unlikely to sh- than usual to show up in uh, any future inventions iteration. But also makes it a very narrow market for where you want to end the like where you're going to exit with these so i wouldn't want to be too deep on these even though you and i probably have some lying around that we picked up at 40 dollars or something back down the road uh, yeah i don't think i ever bought sundering titans because i knew that it was not your best bet um i knew like being banned in edh was a would definitely would have been a problem for me but i know i have a couple of the other smaller stuff floating around it feels like they can unban this in Commander now, right? Uh, probably. There's probably. no way this is too good for Commander anymore. I would expect that to be true, yeah. I mean, how many how many basics would even <laughs> fall well, prey it, to this if it, I Goblin Welder it back into play? It does not hit basics. It hits... Lo- yeah, it does. No, no, basic land type. Oh. Which means okay. it will hit your triomes and your shocks. Okay, so if I third turn this with a welder, I am still doing some damage. That's true. That's true. Yeah, the thing is, is like, is it really obnoxious in heads up because you can potentially like triple stone rain your opponent? Yes, but you might be stuck hitting one of your own lands. And also, why are we balancing cards for heads up EDH? The better question is like, is it a, is it too powerful in a four player game? And at this point in time, I don't think the answer to that is yes. Like you would have to go pretty hard with this for it to be that big of a problem. It definitely seems like something that could come back. The issue maybe is just that it's not a fun card, so there's not really an, a reason to bring it back. You know, is Tinker legal in Commander? Yeah. All right, so you can animate dead it, you can tinker it, you can gobble welder it. I guess there are a lot of ways to make it oh, pretty nasty. Oh, I take that back. Tinker did get banned. Oh, okay. Well, there are tinker-like effects. Sure. The, I mean, the thing is, there's so many cards in EDH that you can be like, well, if you tinker this in the play on turn two, it's super obnoxious. Like, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. That's true of, like, a ton of cards, right? Like, that's not... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can also play a low-to-the-ground uh, deck that, like... Tutors for Armageddon on turn three, and then just wipes the board while you yeah, have can, a couple of creatures. Yeah, I can tutor for a Blightsteel Colossus or whatever, and go to ten. Yeah, so I, that seems like a not a helpful board threshold. <laughs> Fair. To consider. All right. Bottom line: your inventions, if you're sitting around on some, probably going to want to start looking at selling those. This is a very good window here until we hear that you're going to get more of them, and. Uh, some of them will be unaffected completely. Some of them are obvious reprint targets. Um, but 
yeah, the, more and more of this will go on. Europe is still where the, the, all of this stuff is cheapest, so that's where you want to keep your eyes on. Um, I did pick up some Lotus petals today near 100. Ooh, that's a good price for those. They are basically sold out near, well, I mean, it, it's now up to the market to decide what they're priced at. I don't think there are very many listed on TCG Player at all, and if they are, they're close to 200. Yeah, Lotus Petal is, uh, those are really pricey. And those were not that expensive at release, I think. They were so cheap at one point. Yeah, they were definitely low down for a little while. I want to say we bought some of these in Europe at 30 to 40 as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they might have been 30 bucks for a little bit. I I recognize the guy from our pro trader, from the Discord, who's got the two copies listed at 300 on TCG, and he's all alone standing there. Surprised you don't have any in there beside him. That's usually your ballgame. I don't have any lotus petals. I don't think I don't know if I ever had any. I'm I don't know if I ever got in on those. I need to check and see if I've got any or if I sold them a while back. Yeah, the thing is is now they're high enough that I probably would have sold them if I did have any, I probably would have sold them at like eighty or ninety, you know. Yeah, and been happy. Right. Uh, let's see. So that was Sundering Titan. So following that is Aladdin out of uh Arabian Nights, like forty to ninety. But you know, the reserve list action has been pretty strong the last several weeks. This is just another case of it. Several months. This well, is sure. Really. Yeah. It's I mean, drain after drain after drain. For, for years. But it seems like the last couple weeks, I feel like I've seen a little bit more of it on MTG stocks than I have well, in the past a, weeks. But... A lot of it went down when you were making a baby child. Uh, I mean, all summer while you were out, there was consistent activity like this. Gotcha. So. Uh, and then this last one's definitely yours too. Oh baby, humble brag on. Love this one. Yeah. So well, I this is this is the a a perfect example of there's no, uh, there's no bad specs. They're just long term specs. This is uh, Keeper of Keys foils out of Conspiracy Two jump from six to fifteen, which is based on essentially um, Rogue attention, and it looks like. I'm thinking is so I see that and I'm thinking it's that rogue commander from the Zendikar like commander product. Is that yeah. that's okay? That's, that's uh, the page we're all on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's moving some rogues. I had originally picked it because I'm like this is going to be good in the oh um, oh god the Japanese it wasn't Tetsuo Umazawa but it was someone like that. One of those Black Demir Ninja card commanders that we got a year or two ago, and well, I was there's like, there's Yuriko, and then Yuriko. Dom- that's what I'm thinking. And of. then in Dominaria, you also had the Toshiro Umazawa. Yeah, but that was the mono blue one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not that not that one because I didn't think that one was going to be a big deal. It was the other one, and I was like, oh yeah, those decks are all going to want to play this effect because uh, you get Monarch, and you're the type of deck that's going to be able to keep Monarch, and you're going to be happy with it. Um, so I missed, right? Like it didn't, it didn't, I mean, it went up in price, but not enough that like I did, I did anything with it. They've just been kind of hanging out, but now oh, look, rogues are kind of relevant and I'm getting paid on it. So, uh, there you go. There's no wrong. There's no bad specs, just long-term specs. You're here. All right. So moving right along to the top magic online movers of the week. Pretty much the whole story here is the mono white decks doing work in Pioneer and Modern. Selfless Spirit going from 210 to 372, 77% gains. That's mostly a blue-white spirits card. Giver of Runes showed up in that Death and Taxes uh, incarnation, uh, 765 to 1372. Uh, That's good. 
all of these white cards are going up because everyone forgot white was a color in magic for like the last year and a half. Yeah. And then white does kind of well for an event or two. It's like, oh yeah, I can play this color. I'm going to go buy some. Uh, Myriad landscape we flagged last week for jumping up. Here it is again, a dollar thirteen to two fifty four. Treasure chest only, really good art. Uh, Skyclave apparition from nine forty five to twenty one ninety four. This is a Zendikar rising rare that should be at max, heading to max supply, and it's twenty two tickets on Magic Online. Yeesh. This is close. This is double. This is basically the target price for the foil extended art that I called. For a six to twelve month window last week in in paper, that's uh... and it's so people that got in on this over the weekend made good money in our Magic Online uh, channel, which is uh, honestly where the best returns are <laughs> anywhere in Magic if you're paying attention. Good job, guys. Yep, they're they're doing work over there. Uh, Archon of Emiria, likewise, sixty six cents to a dollar ninety five. This is another rare from Zenikar Rising. Uh, and I don't think they can hold. So I suspect that, at, you know, these get a little higher. They're probably going to be subject to the gravity of additional drafts taking place. And they're going to be uh, short targets. Okay. You can see that. You know, if Skyclave Apparition gets up to 25 tickets or something, 30 tickets, you're going to want to short that, that bad boy. Yeah. Cool. Cool beans. All right. Moving on over to segment three paper cards to watch of our own um feeling very convinced lately that extended art foils is where people want to be that this is the equivalent of the inventions which were you know we're we have seen premium do well over and over and over again from mythic editions to uh rare uh, geo-specific booster boxes like Japanese War of the Spark to secret layers here and there. The inventions, the invocations to a lesser degree, certainly uh, expeditions that got low enough, etc. All of this stuff has been making us money for years. And, you know, as we talked about last week, the one-year horizon for the stuff that started being released with Throne of Eldraine is just getting better and better. And if you believe that during COVID sets are selling overall less than they would be otherwise, and that there are supply challenges with collector boosters, you have every reason to believe that, uh, you know, summer set foil extended arts are probably going to get there if they're multi-format. And one of the ones I was looking at this week is a, you know, mid-tier card, but is doing surprising work uh, in a couple of different places. Peer into the Abyss is a... I think seven casting cost black card that basically cuts somebody's life total in half and they draw cards equal to the life they lost. Target player draws cards equal to the number of cards in their library and loses half their life round up both times. Gotcha. So over on EDH rec, this card is from core 21, of course, and it's reported in uh, a almost 1100 decks so far from the summer it's also showing up in the sideboards of pioneer uh, decks i believe and i'm flagging this because like magmatic channeler last week these are cheap and in relatively short supply i think they're five dollars or so and i can see these going five to fifteen within a year fairly easily even with just moderate demand 
Yeah, I mean the card has got some definite art. <laughs> this is the uh, the guy who's vomiting the face of himself, and his eyeballs are also his face vomiting himself. Just uh, yeah. very evocative. Um, but I, I, uh, I mean, just like a week or two ago, I was picking extended art foils out of m21 because it seemed like they were a good angle to be attacking so i think that this is right in line with that um i like the the card seems pretty potent people do like they're traumatized and similar effects and five bucks is so cheap uh i think you're probably going to get paid off on this 29 listings currently on tcg player and they ramp pretty hard up to 20 you got to get through about nobody really has more than three copies or so and sees all sorts of you know play in Kyrick, Nekasar, Yuriko, Kess. Uh, in Pioneer, it's played in Lotus combo, and in Le- Legacy, apparently, it's showed up in Storm builds. Hmm. That's kind of funny. Yeah, it looks like the the Pioneer decks are typically running it uh, in the main two copies, and then in the sideboard one more. Hmm. So interesting. Uh, a de- a decent play pattern for a deck that doesn't look like it's going anywhere. The the <laughs> Lotus Field uh, deck has been doing work for months. Yeah. So yeah, I, five I, bucks. I, five bucks to fifteen. Sure. Five dollars for extended art foils. Like you're not really going to hear me argue, and I can see people liking this for the essentially mill component. Not to mention it just straight up kills somebody if you have something that has like a lose life for drawing cards effect. Or actually, you play it, this. Hmm? Go ahead. But it's actually what? Well, I was just building a Loro last night, and it just occurs to me that this is probably supposed to go in that deck. Because <laughs> oh. with a Loro, you end up having four or five different things on the table that say, when you gain life, X happens. Or when the opponent loses life, double it or X happens. You have stuff like Blood Chief, Ascension, and whatever in the deck. So... All of that stuff with Peering of the Abyss is just combo-rific. It's going to work out. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, also, oh, I was just thinking of some cute little trick with it. And now, oh, uh, play it with Chains of Mephistopheles. There you go. What's that to you? Chains of Mephistopheles is that card. Crazy wordy card. Yes, that restricts your draws. And I basically, if you draw extra cards, you it makes you discard. I think instead. Okay. So what what ends up happening is, rather than drawing a bunch of cards, they basically Lose just mill. Hand. Yeah, they mill that. They mill as many cards as they were supposed to draw, and their entire hand is gone. And they lose half their life total. Yes. Yeah. So basically, it's obnoxious. So Chains of Mephistopheles is obnoxious already. Didn't really need this, but. You can make it worse. <laughs> okay. What's your um, first pick of the week? I'm going to start out... Uh, again, I'm in the same boat as you. I think all these fancy-ass versions of cards are the place to be right now, especially with really every Magic player with a name behind them that isn't contractually obligated to be nice to Wizards com- contemplating quitting Magic. Uh, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not too eager to chase... Uh, constructed cards yeah 60 card cards so uh which is such a change from where i used to be but whatever uh i went digging through ultimate uh yeah ultimate masters 
a little bit this week to see what I could find. And the one that jumped out at me was reanimate. So the ultimate art or the, the ultimate art, the ultimate art, the extended art, ultimate masters foils of reanimate are about 40 bucks right now. I think there might be one or two just below that. And if you go digging at a couple websites, you might be able to find them cheaper. I'm not sure. Uh, but this is in about 20,000 EDH rec decks. It's got very good EDH numbers. Um, remains a very popular card. Uh, the inventory of reanimate of this particular version of reanimate looks good relative to the rest of um, Ultimate Masters. So, like if you look at the total number of listings for UMA box toppers, uh, this card currently has twelve listings, and most of them are most of the UMA stuff is in the like 20 to 50 range. There are a couple cards lower than Reanimate, um, but for a variety of reasons, I don't think any of them are quite where I want to be. Like Ulamog is at two listings, but he's 70 something dollars. Uh, market price is 70. I don't even know what his low price is. So um, a little hard to chase that. Actually, there's only one left. Jeez, if you can find Foil Ultimate, Foil, if you can find Ulamog, UMA box hoppers for less than 60 and it's probably a good buy but it regardless uh I think reanimate is a pretty good intersection of availability and price um and utility overall and one thing that I think is going to be easy to catch people off guard with and I say this as somebody who has kind of been caught off guard with it myself we have a couple treatments that are similar and the Double Masters cards, I think, are a good example. It's easy to sort of let all of that blend into your head as roughly the same thing. These, like, borderless cards. But the UMA box hoppers are way more rare than other sort of full art borderless treatments. So you may be inclined to, like, just think that there's plenty of them, whatever, but they're going to rise in price and run out a lot quicker. And I think people, we're seeing that already with some of the cards in that set. So uh, don't let that, don't forget that. This is just a game of when does this catch a reprint? If it's in Commander Legends and we get fresh EAs of it, these are going to be a little tougher to move. If it dodges a reprint for a solid year, these are going to get there, no problem. Super, uh, super high play pattern. I, I don't know about 40 to 80, 40 to 60, I'm pretty comfortable with. 80 is harsh. Yeah, I mean, it is by far the best version, I think. Oh, there's yeah. not really much For competition this card, there. Yeah, there's not a lot of competition. I mean, 80 might be a little appealing, but I'm kind of basing that on, like, UMAs are actually a lot less common than I thought they were. And it, it, it is worth pointing out that this art did reappear on Jumpstart as a non-foil. Whole set's yeah. non-foil. So given that they just reprinted the card... Maybe that means it's probably reinforces that it's not in Commander Legends. Yeah, so I not, this seems like it'd be weird to put there. Well, it's not a for sure Z, but they did just give it to us again. If you if you accept that Jumpstart did come out in some parts of the world, right, right. Um, yeah, so there you go. I think Reanimate's a good choice. Okay. Uh, yeah, you already spoiled this earlier in the cast, but yeah, Scourge of the Skyclaves, foil extended arts are currently $40. That's a future $80 card plus. Like, no brainer. 
<laughs> it's Death Shadow that might lose its slot in this deck, not this card, which might just be better than Death Shadow. And this is probably probably the most powerful constructed mythic four of so far to come out of Zendikar Rising. Foil Extended Arts, ideally you want in at $20, but if you look at the prices of things like, you know, Borderless, uh, Oko is pushing 100 even though it's banned in, in Pioneer and Modern. And um, Scourge of the Skyclaves, compared to something like an Uro or an Omnath, Uro foils are way up over $100. So to, to call these Scourge of the Skyclaves to go 40 to 80 when they're putting up, you know, three or four of the top eight decks in the format and are probably going to make their way into Pioneer at some point too once the right puzzle pieces come together, total no-brainer. Now, this strikes me as an interesting card to consider and, and I might be drawing a blank, so help me out here. But has there been anything else that has had this treatment, the extended art foil treatment, that is potentially a very solid four of in a competitive constructed format like this. Sure. I mean, we've called Dryad of the Elysian Groves a couple times already, and that's made people money, and that's a rare, not a mythic. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, I mean, but that's sort of my point. Like, this is a mythic, not a rare. And I would say Dryad of the Elysian Grove is similar, but not like the headline four of card that, like, this would be if it completely replaces Death Shadow. Well, in Primeval Titan, it is a headline four of. And Titan decks are doing, you know, arguably about as well and popping up about as often. But again, the Dryad is a rare extended art foil from nine months ago. And the lowest price on those right now on TCG Player is $67 with 12 listings. Yeah. So to call these to go to match the price on a rare when it's a mythic, it's total no-brainer in my mind. As long as the deck puts up results. Um, yeah, I mean, Dryad of the Elysian Grove has the angle that it's also very good in EDH. So you're probably you're not you're not going to get that with um, with scores of the Skyclaves, but at the same time, mythic versus rare. I think I think these are quite good as long as this is as good as it seems to be in uh, Pioneer or Modern, which I'm pretty sure it is. I don't think there's a, a risk there. Uh, these seem very safe. So I like that quite a bit. Yep. And, and they're just going to. I mean, the question here is how many how many more Zendikar Rising collector boosters are going to be popped this fall um you know i have no doubt that inventory will fill in to knock to create some retracing in some of these eas that have moved off the line pretty quickly but the mythics are harder to push back down if they are acknowledged as competitive staples because yeah. there are people that are just going to say you know what i'm I, i'm going to play this deck and maybe they have a more optimistic view than I do about when they're going to get a chance to do so. They think they're going to play in three to six months, whereas I think they're probably waiting six, nine, 12 months to play in North America. But there will be people that will lock these down just because, and there's going to be people, you know, vendors and speculators like us that are going to just snap off, you know, eight, 12 copies, hoover those out of the market on the basis of spec calls like this. So, you know, you got you to gotta open a lot of collector boosters and then you, you have to have those people be willing to sell into... A lower price instead of hold for the long term yeah i mean if i if i crack my you know, i've got both german english and japanese collector boosters on the way to me if i pull any of these i'm not selling them <laughs> so that's not going to add to the market any 
It's it, it. I'm curious to see. I think that the pick is solid, and I'm curious to see how this does because it'll be a good, um, I think, test run of a like Fora Mythic constructed that's not really much of an EDH card that'll give us kind of a good baseline for what that type of card looks like. And I don't think we've we have had quite that example yet. Well, we we do. It's Uro. Uro is that example, and there are five copies of Uro left on TCG Player, despite it just getting banned in Standard. Uro's too popular. Well, Uro is $215. Right, but I mean, like, I don't think think Uro's a good comparison either. He's too too ubiquitous. Like, he's all over the place. Does that make sense? Well, he's, he's, like, he is better in EDH than, than the the Scourges, that's for sure. Um, Yeah. So he's he's a you know whatever seven or eight in commander I suppose, and Scourge doesn't have that kind of pedigree. Well, well right, and I'm, when I think about it in my head, I think of Uro as being essentially a quad format card, standard pioneer, modern EDH. Well, it's ba- it's banned in standard. Well, but like I'm saying that it's you know it is now, but it was a quad format card and now it's a three format card that is like very high threshold i think the simplest argument we can make on these is standard and pioneer don't matter much for the prices on the foil extended arts uh but modern and edh certainly do and uh, and uro has both of those and scourge only has one yeah i i would mostly agree with that i think standard isn't moving the price on these too much i think if you have a card that's got like Uro, where it's already good in several formats and is also absurdly good in standard, it was probably seeing a little bit of extra pressure from being good in standard before it was banned. Um, I guess I, in my head, I categorize constructed cards differently in different places. So like Uro, just just not any particular printing of Uro, but Uro is like one type of card, right? Like quad format, huge deal. Um, Oko was another card sort of in that similar stripe. Uh, then you have stuff like Dry to the Elysian Grove, which is pretty potent in some, in one extended format. Maybe not quite as a four of, maybe sometimes it is, maybe sometimes it isn't, but also has good EDH play. So it's got a lot of extra there, but it's also a different rarity. So like there's kind of like a bunch of different zones that a card can hang out in. Like I think of Scape Shift is probably a good comparison to score to the Skyclaves with the issue that their rarities might not quite match up depending. But like that's the type of card where it's like, this is a four of in the deck that wants it, but it's probably only one format, but it's real good there. So um i don't know how much of this we've seen already you know it, it but that, me, that's my own little the the, di- the comparison to uro makes me want to go back and figure out what the lowest price we can get uh theros collector booster boxes in europe at is <laughs> because it's not that hard to pull a foil extended art uro out of those boxes and if you if we can get those boxes i think the lowest i got them at was 135 in the spring if we can still get them around 150 and keeping in mind that the Theros, Full Art, Foil, Nyx lands typically add 25 to $40 in value there. And there's quite a few other good cards in the set. You got your Thassus Oracles, your uh, Underworld Dream, uh, not Dreams, Underworld Breach. Breaches. Uh, Ox of Agonis is probably going to get there down the road. You got Nyx Bloom, uh, Ancient, um, Shadow Spear, etc. There's some heavy hitters in there. I don't know. I I cracked a case of Theros collector's boosters and not too thrilled with it. 
you you must have more value sitting there than you think you do. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say that's not the case, but it wasn't as easy as I was hoping it to be. Did you did you flip any of the Nyx lands? Yeah, I think you were the one who put me in touch with oh, the guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I sold some for you, didn't I? That's right. Yeah. But did that did that empty them for you, or are you still holding? No, that was all of them. I think. Hmm, that's not bad. I mean, Pretty that sure certainly, certainly recouped a little bit for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it wasn't. I, I think I cracked. You know, the I, it was roughly eight hundred dollars worth of product. I think mm-hmm. in that ballpark, and I think I probably sold. I'm gonna say like four to five hundred worth. Maybe a little less than that. I'll tell you, so, I definitely sold my Uro early because I opened a foil extended art Uro, and I think I did it in Japanese too, and I got good prices for them at the time, in and around a hundred, hundred and twenty, I want to say, maybe like eighty to ninety on the English and the one twenty on the Japanese, but clearly early, like who knows what a foil Japanese Uro is worth right now? Yeah, well, I don't think I opened any, so I don't know. <laughs> um. All right, my right, I'm going to do my next two cards together because it's Good. kind of part of a, lar- a larger uh, narrative it. here. Uh-huh. So I I don't remember exactly what I said on the cast a week or two ago. I'm pretty sure that I'm eating something of Humble Pie this week um, with regards to the... <laughs> yeah, I, are you going to go back and sound clip yourself from the Commander review with Jason? Because that would be not. classic. Please? Uh, absolutely not. Actually, can I edit this uh, week? I said... <laughs> it, it just occurred to me that I could probably put a cute little soundbite yeah. in there for you. Yeah, I bet you could. I, but but here's the thing: like I'm have always been willing to learn and adapt to new information. So I was, I, I well, I don't think that I. Oh God, you. If someone goes back and finds the audio clip, just come back to bite <laughs> in the ass. I'm, I'm totally gonna post it. I, I, I don't sure. think that I was dead set against the mythic duel flip land mythic flip lands in edh i think i said i wasn't sold on them yeah you were kind I of think that's roughly where i landed mm-hmm. so but people have like there was a couple comments on twitter today about one person individual and i don't remember who they were but they're like i'm sold they're like they're just going in every deck i make from now on they're just basically auto includes unless you're in a weird deck and saffron and a couple other people chimed in and were like yep they're just they're just good enough that you just always play them there's not really a reason not to uh, there was some caveating i think it's like in mono decks for sure for sure because yeah. when you're running whatever 25 basics or something easily yeah. you can justify cutting one for this if you're running a four color build it gets a little trickier you want to yeah you're looking for some synergy out of the sacrifice you will make to swap out whatever other land Right, um, and, cer- and and some strategies really want basics because they have effects in the deck that, like, fetch them. And, I, like, I think somebody mentioned Oro or, or – or, uh, God, this is stupid. You have Oko, Oro, and Omnath. God, <laughs> like, like, certain landfall-style decks really want basics because they have a lot of effects that fetch them. So they be- these types of cards become less useful, but if your deck doesn't have that sub-theme in it, then uh, it's easier to play them. So they're not universal, but they're certainly... It's a, it's a I-need-a-reason-not-to-play-it type of card rather than a reason to play it. So I, I can accept that. Like, listen, these people are way into EDH more than I am. They play more, they know more, and I would be foolish to stand my ground and claim that they were bad there. Like, I'm listening to people who play the format. So... Um, you know, we, you, you talked about the green one last week. I think that was a great choice. I went back to the well to review and I think that both the blue and the black one are probably your best bets. 
Um, Seagate Restoration Extended Art Foils are 25, although I did not find many copies of that. So good luck. Uh, Agadim's Awakening, the black one, is at 17. I think that's probably a little better. Um, so to refresh your memories, Seagate Restoration is the, the blue one, and the the land, the spell side of it is a seven mana sorcery. It's draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one, and you have no maximum hand size. No maximum hand size is real good. I think it's a terrible effect for EDH, but people really like it. That's why Reliquary Tower has been so popular for so long. Um, the reason I'm a little cooler on Seagate Restoration is because it's you draw cards equal to the number in your hand plus plus one and it's not uncommon to end up with like no cards in your hand so now you're casting a seven mana sorcery to draw like one to two cards which isn't obviously like again the reason these are good is because the opportunity cost is low but like it's not the greatest like if you have like zero to one card in your hand and you top deck this it's like okay this is most of my mana for the turn and i draw two maybe three cards uh that's not it's fine, but it's not super duper great. Compare that to like Agadim's Awakening, which is um, X X B B B, return to your return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of target creatures that each have a different converted mana cost of X or less. So if you fire this off with for let's say eight mana, your X is five, you get back you could potentially get five creatures with converted mana cost one through five. Um, this is just a much more immediate, more useful effect. The number of decks that aren't going to have several creatures in their graveyard they wouldn't mind returning is very low. Um, it's going to be useful at, at most points in the game in which you're going to have the mana to cast it. The price is also lower. You know, Seagate Restoration, you're paying 25 If you're lucky, you're going to run out of copies at that price real quick. It looks like Agadim's Awakening is more available under 20 I'm seeing 16 vendors, at least 10 of which are all under 20 uh, so I think that's in good shape. Restoration, you're probably looking to go from 25 to 45 or 50. Agadim's Awakening is probably roughly in the same ballpark, but you get to start at 17. So I think both of those are good choices. The Ameria's, oh God, what is it? Ameria's Awakening? Uh, Amer call of Ameria? Ameria's Call? Ameria's Call. Ameria's Call. I like less. It's not a bad effect. The problem is it's easy to have just spent seven mana to make two four four angels and do nothing else um because it's create two four four angels with flying non-angel creatures you gain you control gain indestructible until end of turn until end of your next turn so you get some time with it and it allows you to alpha strike if you have a good board presence because none of your stuff's going to die but it, this is the type of card where it's if it wrathed like if it wrathed and then made two four fours i'd be like Hell yeah. But this just seems like more often than not, it's just not going to do a lot for your seven mana unless the board position is in your favor. Now, uh, and the promos of these, the foils of these are like 15, which I'm not super in love with. Um, I mean, for a couple bucks more, I'd way rather have the black one. Now, the, the red one, I think, is where it's interesting. That's the one that basically blows up to creatures or planeswalkers. So the effect is on the narrow side. But, you know, late game, if you top deck this, getting the blow up two items, two two creatures down or planeswalkers is pretty good. Um, not as good as like Agadine's Awakening is likely to be, but still solid. But it's like five bucks for the foil extended arts is a third of the price of the fourth a fifth of the price of some of these other ones so while I'm, i didn't put that on the list this week i think that's probably worth considering too even if it ends up considerably less popular you know 
you're starting from so much lower down the list um, that it might be easier to double or triple up. But overall, I think pretty much all of them are reasonable uh, with the black and blue, probably my leaders and red in, I guess, third place. I agree with all of that. I mean, I this is all the uh, revisiting of my arguments last week. And mm-hmm. they're going to see play in Constructed and Commander. And they have such open-ended synergy in Commander that, if anything, they're being underestimated. And I think Wizards is going to regret putting these the Mythics at Mythic down the road. Because I suspect they are going to get not just expensive, but very expensive without reprints. And the extended art foils of all of these I could see being over $80. And some of them are going to be 100 to 150 plus um, before they catch any hint of a reprint. Like, where could... The extended art foils are probably going to get two, three, four, even five years before they re- revisit them. It's not real simple to just throw them in somewhere because they're double face cards. So if they're the kind of thing that you might put in as a extended art foil or a VIP pack box topper or a uh, invention or whatever, though you're not going to just randomly throw some DFCs in there. So it's going to take a while. Yeah, I mean, it's possible they've got a secret layer in the chamber, um, but even but still... Se- secret layer stuff that's still in print is so unlikely. Well, they they did secret layer stuff that's never been in print. <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, I know, but that, that's a completely... That's the opposite. <laughs> that's a completely different thing. Yeah, so like like secret layer of the mythic... Du- yeah, it. I agree. It does seem like Wizards is probably... Um, what is that? Mono- uh, cannibalizing their own business if they secret layer a card that's in standard, like that's in their newest set. So that doesn't seem like it would be high on the list. I'm just thinking of like where you could possibly see them. But I agree with the overall point. The odds of a reprint on something like this are fairly narrow because I just there's just not a lot of places to put it. Okay, what are you wrapping up with us? Wrapping up with for us? All right. So my final pick of the week is deflecting SWAT which is the second most popular of the Commander 2020 auto-include cards. If you think that the Mythic Fliplands argument is about them fitting into a million different decks, trust me, you want to take a harder look at the auto-include cards from Commander 2020. This is Fierce Guardianship, Deadly Rollick, Flawless Maneuver, and... uh, in red, it's deflecting SWAT. This is an instant that says if you control a commander, you cast this without paying its mana cost. It's just a free spell. Otherwise, it costs two and a red, and you may basically lets you choose new targets for uh, target spell or ability. You don't have to discard a card or anything. You just play the card straight up for free. And so the thing here was that Commander 2020 was supposed to get yet another reprint. Like the whole thing we were saying last spring... Uh, or last year when they announced that we were going to get multiple commander decks per year was, hey, there's probably going to be less reprints of these because at a certain point, if they wait too long, then they've got, in the case of right now, Zendikar Rising commander decks they've got to print and then Commander Legends decks they got to print. And it's been passed through the distribution chain that Commander 2020 is not going to catch that reprint that was expected for this fall because there's too much else going on. So... With that being the case, this set of cards could easily go a while without catching a reprint. And maybe they decide that these are going to go into a The List slot for 
um, some forthcoming set. But the thing about, you know, reprint risk is there's just so many things that could end up in that position. And we've already seen that if the list is the is the desired avenue of reprint, say, a year or two years out, that's not going to make a big difference because at least in the current formulation, the list cards have not really shifted the price of the affected cards. There's just mm-hmm. not enough of them. So Fierce Guardianship is at about 30 bucks. It could go to 40 or 45 but I like... Uh, the position of deflecting swat which is currently at 50 plus listings or so on tcg and there are some decent walls that's worth considering there are some vendors that had that cracked a lot of this product and have 15 copies 20 copies 17 copies there's lone wanderer mtg at 28 copies this is not going to be a fast mover that drains out this week this is going to take a while but it's going to slowly steadily march up the price curve until these are you know, whatever, $30, $30. I've got it tw- going 12 to 25. I'd say that's going to be a 12 to 18 month process, but it's just going to happen. And I see no reason to wait if you need copies for your decks because, the, you know, you could wait for a coupon code or something on, on eBay. But other than that, I don't see what you're waiting for. We're definitely past peak supply. Yeah, it's, uh, this is the type of card that is really tempting because it seems like the, the the price can definitely explode. I'm like, I, I would be a little worried about a reprint. I'll be honest. This I think out of the stuff we've outlined tonight, this is probably the one that I would be most concerned about. But at the same time, the upside on this is pretty solid. And the demand you've outlined is very good. So I, 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 I think that this is, if I would say this is probably the highest risk and reward card of the list here tonight both the the demand is high you could see this price jump very fast but i feel like it's the one i'm most likely to see again i mean i don't actually think we're going to see the price jump very fast because of how deep the inventory is and i don't actually think we're likely to see a reprint just because it's most of the bullets that are in the chamber for the next years where the product those set lists have already been determined yeah and and they were expecting to reprint this through the end of this year so they didn't think they had to put this anywhere else did they? I, I'm sorry. Did they? Did you say they canceled the reprints for this? Correct. Or they Commander, Commander the, 2020 is just not going to get those decks are not going to get another reprint because that's all coming out of that same factory, right? Did, okay, so they confirm they're done printing Commander 2020, or you're suspect they're not printing anymore. The rumor is they are done com- printing Commander 2020. Uh, all right. I mean, okay. I I will give you that. That makes it better. If if we are if we are making that assumption, then that makes it significantly better. I I would, yeah, like I I okay. So they could I would have I would have guessed that they could slip this into Commander Legends, but if no they thought that Commander Twenty Twenty was still going to be on the table, then it wouldn't have been in that product slate. Yeah, okay. I think I I, I agree. I, with you I would argue that when they finalized the list for Commander Legends, this card wasn't even out yet. Commander Legends has probably uh, been in, in the chamber since like January or February of this year, if not earlier. Well, right. Well, I mean, they knew the card. Ex- they knew that deflecting SWAT existed when they were doing Commander Legends. Deflecting? No, I don't think so. Deflecting Le- uh, Deflecting SWAT came out in April, and Commander Fear- Legends was probably put to bed like at nine to twelve months ago. Oh, I don't think that's true. Oh, for sure it is, because Commander Legends was announced, and they had like early preview hints and so forth in the winter time. Yeah, I 
Well, that's a, we can have that conversation another day. I don't know if that's a, I, 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 we have no way to know, I guess, but that seems odd to me. Well, that's not, that's not entirely true. We, we have ex Watsi staff in our discord that have ta- told us about like lead times and so forth and how long it takes to build a set and et cetera. So but we're, not, wouldn't, we're completely, it's not a complete dark hole for us. Wouldn't that have required commander 2020 to have been, they could, you're saying that they had, uh, commander legends put to bed in what January and they were, they still had commander 2020 up in the air come like what, February or March. No, I'm saying that if, if you're putting a set to bed, like say you want to put out a set June next year, you start work on that like 18 months early yeah. and you have the set finalized, you know, six months out or whatever. And then you don't put it into print for a while longer, but the set's done. You're already on to working on the thing that's, you know, going to get released 18 months in the future. So commander 2020 decks and their unique cards didn't even come out till April. There's no chance you would ever think to reprint something you haven't even released yet. It wouldn't even be on your radar. Okay. That I disagree with. Can you give me an example where that's ever happened? I would have to go back. That would require a more research than I can do in the space of, you know, the six seconds that so, I would want to spend so on right now. I, I mean, I, I can answer my own question. The only time we ever see that happen is when there are supplemental products for, that are standard targeted. So if you have something like in a uh, uh, challenger deck that's made, you know, designed for F and M uh, standard players, as your those are short run things that are put together, you know, probably heading into the release of the fall set, and you're going to put it out in February or March, and that can contain cards from that set because you think you've got a handle on what archetypes are going to be good in that format based on your internal testing and so <clears throat> for instance there's if they were putting out challenger decks next spring some of these mythic flip lands could catch a reprint there and so yeah. grabbing them right now when we aren't even at peak supply for the regular versions is probably not smart because they will probably give us one or two copies of those mythic flip lands in a in a, in a couple of other products but that's why we're talking about the extended art foils as being super safe but all of that is neither here nor there when it comes to unique commander cards being considered for Commander Legends, which is has so many reprints and only 163 new cards. And all the reprints are legends, basically, and relate and you know, commander staples. The odds of them being like, you know what, there's a slim chance that the commander decks won't get the reprint they need later in the fall. I just think honestly, I think it's a zero. Like I think there's it's very, very unlikely that I can't even picture a card that's less likely to show up than than something from Commander 2020. There's no way for me to do like the math, to to do the research necessary for this right now, quickly and easily. But I can see them. I I think it's not unreasonable for them to go, okay, we're going to put out Commander products in, I don't know, what was, when was Commander 2020 released? That was like April, we said, right? In April with this cycle of free spells that we know are going to be very popular and are going to sell the product. Uh, they're going to, and they're going to be the pricey cards in this, like, right. We know that that's what these are going to be. 
So we get to move these cards and move the commander product in April because of this card. They spent a couple months being popular. And then just as the prices start to get high, because they have years of data to look back on on commander products, we're going to put them back in commander legends six months later. And now people can come, you know, before these really get out of control, they have another uh, access point on them in another product we want them to buy. So I don't know if that's happened and I don't know for sure if it's ever happened before, but it seems like a decision that could be made. I do agree that it is trickier if Commander 2020 got essentially got canned and they're not doing the extra reprints, it, it does make it tougher. But I'm just drawing up a scenario where I can see them planning to print the card twice in a year before it's even been released. The closest thing I can think of from this year is Jumpstart having cards from Core 21 in it. So like Vito, for instance, not my non-foil brick was endangered by Vito also being uh, present in the Jumpstart decks. But that's exactly okay. So that's exactly the same case then, right? But it's it's a like, really different thing because the jumpstart and veto fitting in there, they they didn't take those those products were designed to be released together. Like jumpstart was always an extension of core twenty one, whereas the commander twenty twenty decks and commander legends are literally developed on different planets by different people at different times. Oh, I, so I'm not questioning that that distinction exists, but you still have an example of a card being printed in two distinct products. Like they knew they were going to print it in both products ahead of time. And this wasn't like we're going to print it in standard and then we're not, this isn't a, an example where they're printing it in the standard booster pack. And then also like the event deck that's coming out like roughly at the same time. This is like we have two separate products that are both having the same card, putting them, and none of them are on the street yet, but we know that's going to happen. Now, I agree with you that Jumpstart and uh, like Zenikar are more closely tied maybe than Commander 2020 and Commander Legends, but the, the concept is still similar. Just, just enough so that I think I'm not out of, I'm not crazy when I say I could see this scenario existing. We can dive into this a little deeper once we get into the formulation of Commander Legends in Section 4 here, but... Suffice to say, my bottom line is this. There's 8,300 decks reporting this, this what card. What are we talking about? <laughs> Deflecting SWAT going from 12 to 25 is the call. And I think actually the biggest counterpoint isn't any of that. The biggest counterpoint is the inventory is still pretty deep. And it's not necessarily true that you need to get in on this card this week. You know, sure, this is peak supply. and You can buy a copy safely for your deck without them going much f- further down. But as a spec, you might be able to wait one, two, three, four months and get in a little cheaper or wait for a coupon somewhere um you know there was a really good sale at cool stuff this week where a bunch of us snapped off some some cheap stuff something like that shows up and copies drop by two bucks or something then even better so okay i I think the key point on on this whole class of cards from commander 2020 is you don't need to be in a huge rush but there is going to be somewhere between here and six months from now is going to be a great entry point yeah, well, I don't. I agree. I mean, the amount of decks that this has gathered in six months is is impressive. So even though there's a strong wall there, there's obviously some some good demand. So I can see this All right. continuing so final to do pick, well. Uh, of um, the week is to, from you know, our week after week uh, pro trader member uh, gr thirty three chocolate called out scape shift and called it out in the U S at twenty dollars to go to like thirty five. Obviously, with all the Lands Matter stuff um, and Scapeshift being in a ton of decks on EDH Rack, there is ample reason to be looking at the card. Uh, it just got a reprinting, but that was a core set, core summer set last year. 
very unlikely to catch a reprint again anytime soon. And the only modification I would make to this call is that you can get these over in Europe around $14, and that's just irresistible. Ooh, that is uh, that is tantalizing, I suppose. Um, and another card that's basically a, a not going to fade in popularity. It's solid in EDH, and you know it's going to keep showing up in any constructed format that it's legal. Yeah, and Jason was running uh, Nahiri Nahiri's Lithomancy or whatever in his mm-hmm. deck on the weekend, and realized that he just wished it was Scapeshift because <laughs> you have the you know you're in both colors, so. you you know, you might as well run the superior version of the two. Because I think with Lithomancy, yeah. they come into play tapped or something. It's not quite as good. Yeah, I don't I don't remember exactly what it is. But Scapeshift is a very powerful card that uh, does a lot of work. So good pick, sir. Okay. I like chocolate, so that's mostly why I'm saying I like the pick. All right, so to wrap things up this week, we're gonna our topic of the week is a discussion of getting ready, kind of preparing for Commander Legends. Um, I guess the first point here is that the product release has been moved back two weeks, and they've also moved back the preview season. So originally previews, we're recording this on October 6th, and I think previews were supposed to start next week, uh, middle of October, but now the previews for the set are set scheduled for October 26th. So roughly three weeks from now. And instead of pre-releases being, I think they were supposed to be first week end of November, they're now being moved back to November 13th. And on Magic Online, products and events will be available Thursday, November 19th. And the set will have a supposedly have a full, quote-unquote, global launch November 20th. Part of this is because the secondary printing factory... Um, is having trouble with all of these ancillary products this year and or this part of you know q3 q4 looks like a major trouble spot for product delays for wizards and you know it's wise i think to give zendikar rising some breathing room here and hopefully get more product into the pipeline uh yeah it seems like they've probably got a couple different factors for why they're dragging their heels on it um so this this is a tough situation for them to be in, that's for sure, trying to figure out the timing on this and how much they can hold it. Uh, also being concerned maybe about once it's out there, how long can they wait? Like they probably can't wait that long once the, the wheels are in motion um, in terms of getting it printed and shipped out and so forth. Because uh, I wonder, you know, maybe they try and have it sit at the printers, but maybe there's a storage problem, so they have to get it shipped out of there. But then distributors don't want it sitting around in their warehouse. So I kind of wonder how much flexibility they have to really push it. Well, I mean, they already have, I think vendors already had pre-orders in on this stuff. So this is going to end up being another situation where you're pay, you're playing pre-order roulette. You know, how how good of a relationship does your vendor of choice online um, or your local LGS have with their distributor? Are they a WPN premium store? Are they Do they typically order enough product that they're going to be made a priority if the distributors have less than they are expecting? And is Wizards going to experience even further delays? So for instance, the Zendikar Rising Collector boosters that our pro traders are waiting on getting from some of our vendor partners in Europe, they're supposed to show up you know, anywhere from next week to the end of the month. 
could those dates get pushed back? Could the dates for Commander Legends get pushed back another week or two? Like, what happens to both of these products if Wizards never really gets to take advantage of the hype cycle and is forced to move on into the holiday season and on into Cal time without really fully capitalizing? Like, that could be a real disaster for them. E- even if it only, you know, reduces the total sales of Command- of Zendikar Rising by 20% and Commander Legends by you know, whatever, 20, 30, 40%, even if it's just 10 or 15%, that's going to matter in terms of availability of singles down the road. Oh yeah, for sure. This is, uh, the the impact of all this is not going to be felt for a little ways to come. Um, and I, it'll be, I have, a, I have a sneaking suspicion, I'm sure I'm not the only one, right? This has been talked about, but a suspicion that we're going to look back in like three years, two years, and be like, wow, everything that came out that year is ridiculously expensive because there were so many problems getting it out the door that just so much less of it hit shelves than we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And this is where we need to get into a little bit about what what makes Commander Legends unique. And we covered this a little bit when they first uh, tabled some of these announcements maybe a month or four, six weeks ago. But I want to dive in on it again because I think it's important for people to get the bullet straight in their minds. First of all, this is a big set, 361 cards. There is one weird special card. Um, there's a colorless partner that drops in at an irregular drop rate because they stuffed the set full of a bunch of monocolored partner cards. So I think there's 40 monocolor partners and that one colorless partner. And the whole idea here is that if you're drafting this set, you are... Um, going to end up playing some partners and you're going to be building a a partner-driven commander hybrid draft deck um, if you can even safely get people together to do that with you. So 40 monocolored partners. That's going to be a big chunk of the set, right? It's also got 165 new cards total. 40 of those are the monocolored partners. 71 legendary creatures and planeswalkers, so an absolute shit ton of new commanders, and some of them are clear, are planeswalkers. Cards, of course, will be legal in eternal format, so legacy, vintage, and commander. There are no basic lands in the set, and th- there are randomly inserted premium versions of the cards. So that's weird. The set introduces foil-etched cards for the first time, which are going to be kind of like a gold filigree, or I guess not filigree, more like a gold dusting, like, um, what do you call it? Gold foil effect. Um, And that's going to be applied to some of the new cards and 32 legendary creatures. And I think they told us that there's going to be one for each color combination. That's what we kind of figured out in the Discord. I can't remember if they confirmed it or we just figured out that the math made perfect sense. So you'd have one monocolor commander catch the foil etching, gold foil etching, then each of the two color combinations, each of the three color combinations, each of the fours, and and a five. And that that would end up hmm. add up to 32. Okay trying to keep track of this in my head (laughs) so you've got foil gold foil premium versions of a bunch of new and old commanders getting printed so this is like you know we just got a tracks in brea so probably not them but it's like you're gonna get one you know you're gonna get 
Brea or Atraxa or something at that specific color combination and probably and no other. So if you can place your bet on what, for instance, Azorius Commander is going to catch the foil etching treatment, that may impact, um, you know, what partner cards for that, not partner the mechanic, but cards that are good in that deck people might be looking at. But the point I was making to you precast was that with, you know, 32 reprint commanders plus 71 new legendary creatures and planeswalkers, you've got over 100 commanders for people to be looking at that month. What that says to me is that you don't really want to be micro-focused on the sub-themes associated with the commander. So if there's a commander that's to do with ninjas or whatever, don't run off and buy a bunch of ninja cards. Because with this set, more than any set, figuring out what the top commanders are going to be mid to long term is going to be extremely difficult. So what it says to me is that the safest bet is to focus on whatever super-duper top-tier commander staples don't catch a reprint here. So we're expecting things like... Um, Ristic Study, Smothering Tithe, maybe you catch a Mana Vault reprint here in the Mythic slot. Any of that stuff that catches a reprint, there will be extended art foils of the stuff that isn't part of the foil gold etched that will show up in the collector boosters that are associated with this set. But if it doesn't show up, then it's, you know... (laughs) <laughs> it's fair game. If Smothering Tithe is not in here, definitely take a look at Smothering Tithe foils because there's nowhere else for them to print them in the near future. Yes, this is like many other of these sets. It's less about catching the what's showing up in the set and more about identifying the gaps and going after those, um, which we've been through before. So that's not that's not a too wild of a a position to be in Um, but i agree it's it's fine find what didn't show up and go after that i'm not sure i've nailed down what languages they're printing the collector boosters normally i would say it would be it would include japanese but i'm not clear that they would print commander legends in japanese so i'll have to double check on that Hmm. Worth noting that the booster boxes have 24 booster packs and that they are 20-card boosters, not 15-card boosters. And you draft two cards at a time for what that matters. Yeah. So, on the flip side, if something like a Smothering Tithe does catch a printing here, it won't get the foil S treatment, as I said, and will get an extended art. And so then all of a sudden you're you're trying to pick out, okay, what staples have not had a premium version before? And then you've got this massive uh, distribution of e, EV across the third, you know, the foil gold foil cards and the first time extended arts and all of the hundred new 165 new cards. <laughs> You should see a lot of really good commander cards get very cheap here because the EV is spread so widely across so many things. Now, this Mm -hmm. is all assuming Mm -hmm. that the inventory hits on time on the new timeline. If it doesn't, and we get further delays or they're forced to print even less of it than they planned, oh boy, 
these will end up, you know, the sealed collector boosters could never hit a $200 price point. They might st- like stay squarely in the mid 200s for those people that can even get their hands on them. They could end up being 300 to 350 down the road. Some of these gold foil etch cards could be very, very expensive. Um, you know, <clears throat> trying to think of a commander who's top 10 commanders of all time that hasn't seen a reprint lately. Um, let me just see who that might include. Uh, Golos. You know, Golos could be their five color gold etch commander of choice here. Um, and he's the, he's the top, would... top commander in the last month, I believe. That would be a weird choice to me. I wouldn't. I can. I wouldn't expect it to be him. I'd expect it to be somebody else because five color cards are generally pretty tricky to print, especially um, ones that are a little older. Uh, so I could see. Uh, hopefully, it's not progenitus, but I could see a sliver being the card that they go could with, um, or or somebody like that. The, the thing is that there are, there are no sliver commander five color sliver commanders in the last two years that are even close to the top twenty. Whereas Golos is literally sure. number one. Well, number three. Number three yeah, in the but last he's only been years. number one for like. Yeah, but that's. I mean, he was M20, yeah. right? So he's uh, over a year. So I mean, he's still pretty new. Yeah, I mean, over a year, but like on the whole, that's still pretty new. We just got a track, so we just got Brea. So they're probably safe. Uh, but maybe not. I, they could go to the well twice. Because I, I can't think of who, who else in the. Uh, if we're right about the color combinations in multicolor, trying to think who else even uses Atraxas colors that's of relevance. Uh, well, if you're talking about four color commanders, there's basically it's only that one commander product essentially that did it. Because remember that four that that one commander product introduced the four color legends with I think that was the first time they did partners was uh, um, no 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 basically the first time we had that no no I've got it pegged it's probably Timna and Thrasios uh, yeah which was the commander from that product wasn't it that has four colors Timna not not Tim what's the character's name Timna the Weaver and Thrasios Triton Hero are probably catching reprints in gold foil here is what I'm saying Oh, okay. The both of them you're, is what yeah. you are expecting. I thought. I'm sorry. I thought you were looking for one four. There is card. none. There's only Atraxa, so maybe Atraxa does catch a reprint here. There, there is a cycle. There is the cycle of commanders from the commander product where they introduced the four colors. But that's Atraxa. That's where Atraxa came from. Uh, it, oh, in the, in that specific color count. Oh, I see what you're saying. I, I misunderstood. Wait, so uh, just just to, just to back up the truck, I'm saying there are 32 possible color combinations and that there will be one commander selected for each possible color combination and printed in a gold leaf only one so azorius you got to figure out what the one commander they're going to give you the gold leaf version is okay so yeah i mean that pretty much guarantees it's those four commanders for the five commanders from that one year then because I don't think which would mean which would mean Atrax and Brea catch another reprint right after their foil box stopper, which would tell me that you don't necessarily want to be trying to hold those. Which is odd because the art on both of them is amazing. So if the gold leaf treatment is just the original art, but with gold leaf 
uh, over top of the frame becomes a question of, is that actually even the best Atraxa version? Yeah, it depends on how much people like that gold leaf. I would be inclined to think they're not going to care that much. I mean, the Calia art is especially good, even better than the Atraxa in the box topper version. But the, you know, what other... Uh, Calia is Mardu, right? Yeah. So, oh, they've got options there, though. It's going to yeah. be Edgar Markov, probably. Uh, for Mardu, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. So Cali is probably safe, but you're right, maybe, maybe Bray and Atraxa are not. If if you're locking in uh, one commander from every possible color combination, the four colors only have five choices. I believe. Pretty sure about that. Well, <laughs> then they're probably catching a reprint here unless we've got the whole the whole count wrong. Which I suppose is possible, but I also don't think it's an unreasonable expectation. You know, that's a very balanced way they could go. The exception to that could be they go, well, the we only have one choice for the five four-color combinations. Rather than do those, let's do something else. I could see Yuriko picking up the Demir option. Could easily see Kess. Or and Lord Wingrace, maybe Marin picking up, picking up a gold foil reprint here. I am not playing the game of trying to guess. <laughs> well, there just aren't that many options because I think that going for them to go really obscure does just doesn't make sense with what they're trying to do here. Like giving giving people a gold leaf version of something that has only ever had fifty decks registered on EDH Rec is just going to be a miss. Mm-hmm. If I was them, I would I would literally I mean, just mine that list on EDH Rec and never admit to it. But <laughs> that that's the that's the way to make it a surefire hit, right? If you give us a pile of commanders nobody's <laughs> playing, and don't at the same time give us reasons, fresh reasons to be playing them, which I guess is a possibility. There could be cards in here that activate commanders. Yeah, yeah, which I don't think is unreasonable. But the at signal all. to noise ratio is so so high. For a commander, a previously overlooked commander to break out because again, a hundred plus options here between the reprints and the new ones. It seems like you're probably have bare minimum two to three very solid options per at least monocolor and two color will be a little mono will be kind of tough to predict. Yeah. yeah. But you know, four as you said, the fours, there's only one slate of options, so they may very well be the choices. And five, is it a sliver? Is it Golos? That's probably the decision matrix. In the threes, you know, Modratha maybe for Sultai, Edgar Markov, Kess, uh, Jund could be Korvold catching his first premium treatment. Yerok could be another is another Sultai option instead of Muldratha. He was an M20 card. Doesn't really go that deep, to be honest. You know, I could see red white being feather. Feather. Uh yeah, you also have there's um that one guy whose name I can remember that was a box topper. Sun Song or something like that. Uh, yeah, but nobody played. Nobody plays the Minotaurs, so I somehow doubt that. 
they i mean it 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 does seem like it would behoove them to pick commanders that are slightly less popular in some instances and give them one or two new tools mm-hmm. because it's in they want their the wizards shouldn't be aiming these reprint these gold plated all of the gold plated cards to oh i have to get the gold plated version to replace the commander i already have it would be good for them to go oh that's cool and i don't have that deck yet i should build that because that requires a lot more cards <laughs> than Fair. just swapping out the now, commander Nigila the blade blossom could be the five color i suppose that's the the yeah. warrior commander that's red technically but has the five color activation cost which renders her a five color card yeah, I uh, I would I would be inclined to think they wouldn't go that route because only because I think they're going to try and shoot for a a quote unquote true five color commander, somebody who feels five I, colors. She does not. I wonder if they colors. would slip her in into the red slot though. It could be. I don't think that that's unreasonable to assume. They could definitely do that. So, does anything jump out at you as a? Super Commander staple that has not caught a re- reprint this year yet. Uh, we got. Let's see. We've got Soul Rings this year. Cyclonic Rift has been reprinted in Double Masters, so that could easily get skipped here. Smothering Tithe is is pretty close to the top of my list. Uh, Ristic Study could catch another reprint here. It's was in Jump Start, but I don't think that uh forbids it from showing up because this would be a chance for them to give us a foil extended art uh rustic study and that would be a hit um if if you've got even if you just had smothering tithe foil extended arts at rare and um and rustic studies you'd be doing you'd be in good shape with those collector booster boxes yeah i'm, I'm scrolling through the list of Top EDH rec cards right now. Chaos, Chaos Warp. See. When was the last printing of that card? It was literally the card I just typed in. <laughs> was Chaos Warp. <laughs> it's like I can look that one up, but that's cheap now. That's a dollar at this point. But when was the last printed? Is it has it been getting printed to death? Matter twenty twenty. All right, so they just yeah. gave it to us. They might still do it here, and cough up an extended art because it's never had a premium. <laughs> you- you know what would be funny to bring back? Mystic Remora. That could happen. The only printed in Ice Age. Very popular. It's in 3,000 decks in the last month. Like 25% of all blue decks apparently played Mystic Remora. I can see Mystical Tutor here. That that hasn't showed up since EMA, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, uh, I was in Signature Spellbook Jace, but that won't forbid it from showing up here. Go do Sylvan Library. I could again. I could see do anguished on making. They might run Vampiric Tutor back. Uh, there was some question about whether Imperial Seal might be the choice to yeah. drop to drop an expensive that. tutor into the mix and make things look d- d- same thing they did with Grim Tutor in uh, yeah. quarter quarter twenty. Forgot that. Was Sorry, quarter twenty one. Uh, how about Sylvan Library? Yeah, I just said that. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
a lot of this other stuff we've seen. I, I think yeah. I think Mana yeah. Vault is the most likely of the uh, pricey Mana Rocks. Yeah, after Mana Crypt having shown up four times in the last year and a half, yeah. Uh, I could see Supreme okay. Verdict. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Vandal Blast has been a little while. Worldly Tutor is a good choice. Yeah, I mean, Su- Supreme Verdict was in Mystery Ooh, Boosters, but as a non-foil, and was in Iconic Masters. Uh, I mean, we saw Worldly Tutor in the Commander Collection Green, and that was it. But that's coming out the same month. That seems a little odd. Well, the Commander Collection Green is no, it's in yet? November. Oh, I thought they came out in like April yep. or March. Announced them. Huh. Yeah, um, weird. Then yeah, I wouldn't put that in there. I suppose Kenrith in gold foil is possible in the five color slot. Also, I don't. How, how about how about Force of Will? Uh no, I I don't know why they would bother with that. They could save they could save that for that something seems... else, but it's not going to be in Modern Horizons two, so we don't really have a good slot for it any anywhere in twenty twenty one. A, they should put it in Modern. B, I don't know why you would give EDH players. I don't think you need Force of Will and Force of Negation in Modern at the same time. Well, yeah, I mean with negation around, it changes it a little bit, but um, five color commanders. Uh, you could see what are the two color mana rocks from Ravnica that have never caught the reprint the signets uh, no, no, signets we've gotten before it's the other ones signets we've gotten multiple times from, from Ravnica the signets were the ones no, in Ravnica There's no the ones stones. from Mirrodin the talismans Oh, talismans. Yeah, we've never had talismans before. Those could those could work here because they need this is like a yeah. five, a super color high color requirement set. So you can expect multiple green search effects and talismans would work just fine here cuz they've only ever been printed the one time in Mirrodin. The only reprint they got was an arch enemy Nicol Bolas. You know what they could do for the five color slot because we're going back to Innistrad next year they could give us Reaper King and have a Scarecrow scare, scare sub theme no, show Re- Reaper again. King was a secret layer this year right yeah yeah oh, it was. was he it's a nice and it's a nice version uh, so I don't think that's going to be it uh, wait didn't we already see the five color one no we saw the Jund one right that was the one we saw because Gavin posted a video of the foil at chain. Was it Prosh? I think. Oh, I think that's it. We we, yeah, we knew the Jund. It was Prosh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I could see. I I am inclined to think they wouldn't do one of the like pseudo five color cards, and they would do a true one like Ur Dragon or Joda, Sliver Overlord. But none of these really jump out at me. I, I don't see a lot of really expensive, very highly played commander cards that we have not already seen reprints of. It's I will tell you this. For someone who complain for the the group that complains about reprints and magic doesn't do enough, blah blah blah, should stop and look at the top one hundred cards 
uh, on EDHREC and check those set symbols because three years ago, you know, when EDHREC was new or whatever, those were all original set symbols. You did not have reprints. Now you can't find a card on that list that hasn't been reprinted several times recently. Like they have really done a good job of putting all those cards into circulation over and over again. The number of cards that they haven't done that with is vanishing. Makes me think Smothering Tithe is a lock here. I would be very surprised if Smothering Tithe didn't show up again. They had enough heads up. It's it's the best white card that, that needs a reprint here. Yeah, and and they did a, they made some comments somewhere about how white was going to be noticeably improved. Like they put some effort into giving white some real juice in some of these new cards. The juice. So if white's getting a boost, expect that to include extra copies of Smothering Tide. Because if you give white a big boost but you don't reprint Smothering Tide, then that becomes one of the fulcrum points where Smothering Tide gets real expensive. Right. So yeah, All they, right. They showed I... us Sengir the Dark Baron. They showed us a green-red partner combination. They showed us Prismatic Piper, which is the colorless partner that shows up all the time. And they showed us the one white card, Keeper of the Accord, as the example of what was going to happen. So it's three and a white for a three-four human soldier. At the beginning of each opponent's end step, if that player's control, if that player controls more creatures than you, you get a one-one white soldier creature token. At the beginning of each opponent's end step, if they control more lands than you, you may search your library for a basic planes, put it on a battlefield tap, then shuffle. So it's giving you bonus creatures if you're behind on those, and bonus lands if you're behind on those. Yeah, that's a pretty gross land tax. Yeah. Um, that is juiced. All right, but I, I'm going to call it because I have to go to bed. I have a real job. Can't do this yeah, all night. Fair enough. All right, and we also we actually do know that we're getting the rest of the battle bond lands, so we should probably just mention that the we're getting the green blue red white blue red, green black and white black. So that that you know that settles the rare land slots, and they are getting extended arts, and the art looks great. So expect those to be a nice anchor in the collector booster packs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those will be reasonably popular. Those will be uh, might be worth chasing the extended art foils on all things considered. And it's actually a little funky that they give us the expeditions, but didn't include those because they're not out yet. And so you're going to have the expedition versions of these by themselves for a while <laughs> until they choose to revisit. Yeah. All right. Hmm. Well, that's yeah. a, that's a wrap for this week, I suppose. Where can people find you online? Oh, I am always on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. You guys can find me on Twitter at MTG Critic as well as via my constant haunting of the MTG Price Pro Trader Discord. And uh, I'd like to remind our listeners to check out MTGPrice.com Pro Trader as a service. For just $7.99 a month or $79.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing magic the gathering i i already told you who i am uh i will tell you the mtg finance is proudly sponsored by cool stuff inc where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock including the best in magic the gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles use the promo code finance5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com and save five percent off your order and support this podcast which brings us to the end of episode 240 it's almost 240 episodes 
that's a lot of dang episodes. Uh, another good episode, another good week, and I will look forward to doing it again next week. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Pro Traders. Thank you, all of you listening out there, future Pro Traders. We'll see you guys next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. Thank <laughs> you.